The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. And as it is a podcast, hopefully it's something that uh, you'd like to follow along on. If you're uh, into the interviews with musicians, you want to hear about what they're up to, all of your favorite artists, hit that subscribe button. Don't wait another minute. In fact, you can do so wherever you get your podcast from, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or any other preferred spot. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. And thanks to all the subscribers who do keep up with us. Uh, new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Always appreciate the comments you all leave in the comment box. It's great to hear from you. Keep that going. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is the band Silverstein. I'll be talking with uh, lead singer Shane Told about the new record, A Beautiful Place to Drown. This is a record that comes on their 20th anniversary, so of course we're going to see how the past connects to the present. Do you take the time to summarize what you've done while pushing forward? That's going to be a big point of the uh, opening conversation here, as well as some of the sounds that they're, uh, they're, they're kind of toying with on this record. Uh, writing songs beginning with uh, you know synth and piano, having a saxophone on a track, and all the guests, too. I mean, just to name a couple, uh, Aaron from Under Oath is on here. Princess Nokia helps out on the song Madness. And we'll also be talking about the bigger themes that seem to rest within these songs. Mass anxiety, depression, mental illness, grappling with the abuse of people in power. I'm sure you understand where all this is coming from. So we'll hear how it makes up some of these songs. And specifically one called September 14th. There's a really interesting story that uh, comes behind this that Shane's going to tell us about how that connects back with the beginning of the draft during the Vietnam War. What exactly is the significance of that date, September 14th? Shane's also going to give us a little preview of the upcoming tour, a tour that will feature a three-set show. And we'll also touch on his podcast. Uh, if you're a fan, you've no doubt been following along of his podcast series called Lead Singer Syndrome, where he talks to other lead singers. So it's all that and more. Talking about the record, A Beautiful Place to Drown. It's Kyle Meredith with Silverstein. What's up, man? First, I got to tell you, A Beautiful Place to Drown is such a powerful listen. Uh, congratulations on this. I mean, you guys are still firing on all cylinders uh, this far into it. That is uh, that is no easy feat right there. No, man. It, it feels really good, you know? I think, like, we've, we've always tried to push ourselves with each record. And for the last few, I think we've delivered. Uh, but this one really does feel like an even bigger step up. And, you know, every band says that when they put out a new record, but for us, we mean it. <laughs> and I think, I think, you know, people listening to it, 
uh, even, you know, just listening to the first two or three tracks, they'll go, okay, yeah, he's, he's not bullshitting this. There is something here. Why? <laughs> Was there any reason why, why it happened like that? I know. I think like just every record would take it seriously, man. Like we aren't going to just phone it in. I mean, you know, the biggest thing is like you get older and things don't get easier. Like you get more and more responsibilities, you know, you got rent to pay and people, people are getting married and, you know, there's just all this shit going on that isn't that doesn't happen when you're in your early 20s. And when you're in your early 20s, like your whole life is is your record and your music, and you spend every moment thinking about it and working on it. And then, like you know, fast forward to I'm 38. It's like actually about to turn 39 next month. And it's like you know the the drive and the passion that maybe I had when I was this you know bright eyed, bushy tailed 20 year old. It's different now, yeah, right. <laughs> and we have to schedule time to be creative, and we have to work harder, and we have to put in more time, and bands don't do that. You know, bands say, oh, we're pros. We've, we've done this a million times. It's always been fine. We're just going to do it again. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, if I don't feel anxious about the record, if I don't feel like, like I need to have a fire lit like under my ass to get this shit together, if I don't feel like that, something's wrong. So, uh, you know, so that's what we had to do. And every, every record, that's what we've, that's what we've done. We said, this is, this is, this record is going to be a part of our legacy. And as we've, you know, made record after record and they've all been pretty good, that only adds to the pressure because we don't want something to tarnish, you know, what we've built. Those, uh, those late career phone-ins that we do hear from, from plenty of bands throughout the... Oh yeah. And I'm not going to name names, No, but, no, right. We know who they are. Right. I mean, it, it's, it happens. It, it really, it's real. And we are not that band. And, and our fans know that, that we aren't that band. So we better, we better put, a, put up or shut up, you know? Well, I will say, you know, A Beautiful Place to Drown does, of course, come at a, uh, a significant time because it is your 20th anniversary year. For what that means, and, and I am curious about that, I mean, do you go into a record like this thinking, okay, it arrives on the 20th, we need it to speak to our history in some way, or is it you, you do the hard stop and go forward, you know, automatically? You know, the history is ongoing. You know, this isn't the end of anything. Sure, we've been a band for 20 years, and that's a big milestone, and we've always embraced the things we've done in the past, enjoyed them, talked about them. If they're fond, talked about them fondly, if that's how we feel, and talked about them negatively, if that's how we feel, and we've been honest about it, but uh, you know, moving forward is what got us here in the first place. If we tried to make this first record over and over again, we would have never made the second record the same. You know, there has to be, uh, you know, elevating, you know, in, in your music, you know, not even just because we're trying to sell records or get people to stream songs. It's personally, creatively, that stuff's all important too. And just because we're like getting older doesn't mean we, we don't care, <laughs> you know, and doesn't mean we don't still have things to say. And, and, you know, that's really important to us. So with this record, I think we took that approach and we said, okay, what, what is it? What do we, what do we need to do now? And that I think is what we've done the entire 20 years. So why why change it now just for some fucking throwback? Doesn't make sense. It does have the luxury, this record coming after 
you know, the Redux record last time where you, where you re-recorded sure. some stuff. So I, I, was that sort of a chance to chapter that section of the career up or, and, and or did it have any effect, you know, being able to kind of um, revisualize those songs or at least re-record them? I, I wouldn't see revisualizing is really fair, but uh, no. you know, did, yeah. does that have an effect on what, what you do then when you go into a record like this? I would say, if anything, kind of the opposite. Uh, because Redux creatively was not like, it wasn't overly creative what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more scientific than, than artistic, you know, uh, and that was the whole point is we wanted to go back. We wanted to update the sound of those songs and the performances of those songs and make them better. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to change them. I, I, and I didn't want to change any vocal melodies. I didn't want to add harmonies that weren't there before. And I was a stickler about drum fills. I wanted all the drum fills to be the same. Wow. And I'm serious because like, it bothers me so much when bands either re-record something or you hear them do like a live version or you're at a show and you're like, oh, like, oh this, this is like my favorite drum fill. And then the drummer changes it because he thinks it's better. And you're like, nah, the, the drum fill's better. And even if even, it might be better or it might not be better, but it's what you're used to hearing. Yeah. So that was really important with the Redux project for me, kind of as the, you know, it was my baby, was those things, those aspects of it. So when you, when you compare that to A Beautiful Place to Drown, our new record out March 6th, <laughs> Uh, you know, that it's completely, completely different because right. that was like nothing has has existed before in any way. And we're taking way different measures here, you know, musically, sonically, vocally, lyrically, uh, you name it. This record was different. And, you know, that's just a whole other headspace that that kind of, you know, uh, lives in. It is fun hearing those moments within the record. They're ones you're really not expecting, like like going down to All of Me and the saxophone comes in. Da-da! I mean, what a right. great moment that is right there. And by the way, that's a, a compliment. I, I, I do feel, maybe maybe not in a, in a tidal wave tidal sort of way, but uh, the sax is making a comeback in rock music uh, where it was left, you know, back in the 80s, I think, that I'm, I'm happy to see. Oh, I'm okay with it, too. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that, that was my idea to put that in there. So if people, if people have a problem with it, they can come right to me. <laughs> uh, well, this did song, I mean, we talk about that song, All, All On Me, and it, it's a middle-of-the-record song, and it's very, very different for us. It was written completely on, uh, like, a keyboard, on a synth. We, we, we're a guitar band. We, you know, we've never written songs on keyboards before. So writing it in that way and not using really real drums until you know kind of the, the, the end of the song brings in with the guitars and the drums but the, at its core that song is very different for us and um we just decided we had that little space in the middle it's like well what can we do here to really put it over the top <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those things like you know I, you, you know you don't really think about these moments like when i'm speaking to you kyle like or what are we going to talk about when the record comes out mm-hmm. But that was one of those moments where it's like, hmm, if we do this, everyone's going to ask us, you know, like be prepared, be prepared to talk about this for the next two years. So I'm prepared. <laughs> and it's funny because, it, you know, in one sense, it's just a little moment of a, of a much bigger picture. But, uh, you know, against the sonic landscape that's presented up until that point. That's when, uh, I don't know, this isn't fair to say, this isn't the right metaphor or analogy here, but, uh, you know, that's when Wizard of Oz changes to color suddenly. It's a, it's a whole different right, paintbrush. Right. Sure, sure. And, and I think that's okay. You know, especially now the context of, of where it was in the record. There were, there were talks um, early on 
when we were putting together this album of that being like the first track. And, <laughs> and I can just imagine the looks on some of our fans, you know, faces that they've been, if they've been with us for the full 20 years, um, hearing a saxophone song when they've, when they've put it on, uh, you know, for the first time. So it now, you know, in the context of the album, I think it does make sense. And then, you know, we're about to have the bangers that start the, the second half of the record. It all kind of works, but yes, it, it, we, we're aware of, of it being a little bit, uh, a little bit of a double take kind of part. I'll tell you another thing I, I really respect about um, your, your own songwriting and, and your vocal abilities is, you know, taking a song like that or even further down, further down the record with um, with Take What You Give. And, and I thought, I, well, I wonder, is there a science to the appropriate placement of a scream? Because obviously it's not for every right. song, even though you are very adept at it. Right. No, absolutely, man. That's a great question. And not a question that really ever gets asked. And, you know, there isn't a ton of screaming on this record, I'd, I'd say, like if I was going to compare it to the last one especially. But, you know, you have to pick your spots. And we've always had songs that didn't have screaming. Uh, this is not a new, new thing. And there's there's been a lot of songs we've done over the years that maybe just have screaming in kind of one place mm-hmm. to kind of emphasize something. But we're never, we've never been a band that's just going to scream for the sake of screaming. We're not trying to be heavier than we are. We never have been. You know, we're not a metal band. We, we we exist in this kind of strange place where we're kind of a heavy band, but we're not really that heavy compared to other heavy bands. Right. So, you know, for for us, I think we, we, you know, I look at look at a I look at a, a song and I look at the lyrics and I look at you know the melodies and I look at the music and I figure, okay, where in this does it make sense? to have a scream where it's going to do make the song better. And in a song like Take What You Give, there's just no way a scream in that song is going to make that song better. There just, there just isn't. So I think that's the, the approach that, that I, I tend, to, tend to take. Even the moments where you're not screaming, I mean, there are... And, and, and when it does uh, accentuate it, I mean, there are heavy moments in here where it completely makes sense. And, and I'll kind of you know, uh, tilt us towards more, uh, I guess, of the, the general themes that are happening throughout this record, because, you know, once again, you're talking about some very heavy stuff, uh, some stuff that's happening in the world that seems to be obvious, I guess, to be reflective about uh, in the most unfortunate way. I guess it's obvious. Uh, and I think these are the yeah. things, you know, some of the things have been pointed out, at least on the press releases so far. I mean, mass anxiety and depression, uh, mental illness. Is there hope in the songs? Oh, there's always hope in the songs. I mean, despite the title being about as negative as it gets, hope is important. You know, that's always been a, a huge thing. It is from the first lyrics that I wrote, you know, before our first album came out, I was writing, just writing for me. And so many people uh, gravitated towards it. And they told me how much these words meant. But, you know, I realized, like, I'm a happy person. Like, overall, like, I've got it pretty good. You know, I sure, everybody has their bad days, but... You know, I, I do think I've pulled myself out of of some of the depressive states that I've had over the years, you know, up and downs. And I think that that should be inspiring too for people. That if I'm saying this at the end of the at the end of the, the day or the end of the album or the end of whatever period of time, I'm okay, right? I'm okay, and, and I I want people to know that they can be too. So you know, it, it isn't always as easy as just singing about ponies and rainbows and stickers and you know whatever uh you can't just sing that because you're never going to get anywhere but it is important that there's an underlying message of i'm going to get through this you know an underlying message of strength and finding that strength within yourself 
um, at the end of the, you know, the day. And, and this might be further on what you're saying then, when you were tackling the lyrical part of this record, and, and these were the subjects that, uh, however they arrive, whether you focusly, you know, focused and, and went straight after them, or if they just kind of appear as they do, did you find that you were tackling them in, in any certain way? Because again, when we look at a current political uh, climate or the environmental climate, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I mean, this stuff is all around us. So it seems like, these would be the things you're faced with writing about. Right. Well, you know, I got to give Paul Murphy a lot of credit because he wrote a majority of the lyrics on this album. Okay. You know, he's coming into his own as a songwriter in this band, uh, you know, and, and him, he's like kind of right in his prime of songwriting. And he would come up, come to me with, with ideas and lyrics and we would discuss, you know, what all these songs are about. And, you know, whether it's about, uh, like a song like Shapeshift, which is like literally about the president of the United States. You know, there's songs like that. And there's also songs, you know, about our own internal relationships uh, in our band. You know, these things are just all real and they come at you how they come at you. And it, it, you can't control it. And you shouldn't control it. You know, I mean, it's it's must be so difficult. Like I think of Anti-Flag. OK, I'm really good friends with Anti-Flag and I love those guys. And right now, like it's all hands on deck, deck, if you're anti-flag right. politically. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they have a lot to say right now. But what did they do the, during those eight years of Obama when they were like, well, I mean, it's just not bad for like, <laughs> you know, I mean, when you're a certain type of band and you have to kind of go towards like a certain agenda, uh, it can be difficult, I think, to, to, you know, find find your find, you know, your, your spark that's going to really be special in that given song. Mm-hmm. And we've been lucky in that we've never pigeonholed ourselves into a certain subject matter. And I think with this record, um, you know, only overlying subject, I think, is mental health and just, yeah, mass depression and anxiety, which is even spreading towards me. And I've always considered myself like a pretty, you know, mentally health wise, pretty stable dude. And even I'm affected. So, you know, it, it's it's real. I mean, I, I should say, you know, the day we're taping this is the day that, uh, you know, the Senate's probably going to close down the entire impeachment hearings anyway. And, and while I've tried to stay away from the headlines, you just can't escape. It all seems to come through and just smack you every single day. Right. You know, which is no. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm Canadian, so you know, it's uh, my opinion. I guess. I mean, I don't have to live in America. You know, I, I still the, the thing. So, so a lot of people will, will dismiss my opinions. If I have any, which I do, but you know, it does affect the whole world. That's the, that's one thing you can say is is uh, is you know, the United States, America. It's it's it is the most important country in the world. It just is, and uh, you know, everything that happens <laughs> politically, it, it really is important. So I uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. It's like what he okay. So you're admitting he did it, but it's fine. Okay, right. All right. Yeah, we don't need to see the way. Some somebody said today. Yeah, somebody said today. What what is it? Uh, if uh, if you don't let the witnesses in, it's just a debate. It's not a trial or or, or some version. Yeah. I mean, it's and you know this yeah, is true. somehow this is going to be old news by the time this posts, like in a week or something. You know, so it's, no, I know, I know. That's that is the that is the thing, man. And I think like we don't talk about just the fact that like our whole life has become switching between apps mm-hmm. on our phones. And now that's how we look at real life almost. You don't like something, turn it off, and then by the time you, you get back to it, it's it's gone. <laughs> you know, or it's something else. Like it's so far down on your newsfeed on whatever app 
that you've just kind of put it out of your mind. And it's like, it's kind of a crazy way to live. Maybe that goes back to what I'm, what we were talking about with the mass mm-hmm. anxiety, you know, like I, I, I get this thing and I don't know if it's just me or if other people listening to this can relate, but I'll, I'll have like, so I'll like be, there'll be something I was like going to do on my phone. It can be anything from replying to a, to like a message to checking a movie time. But like, let's say I'm doing something on my phone, like doing that. And then something will distract me and I'll go to like a different app. I will like, until I can remember what I was going to do, I will like feel like a, some level of anxiety. Yeah. What is that? Like what? That never happened to me before. It's scary. What? I'm, I'm so worried about, and I don't even have anxiety about something that I don't even know what it is. I just knew it was something I had to do that I forgot. And it can be the slightest, tiniest thing, or it can be something big. And like, what the, like, what is that, man? Like that, that is, that is, there's something wrong, you know, when, when that's the way we're living. I, I do the same thing. I get scared of that. I, I want you and I are the same age. You're a, you're a, sounds like a few months older than me, but, uh, but but it, it it starts to get that moment. You're thinking, wait a second, is this like premature old age that I, I like? I'm 38. I'm not supposed to be, you know, losing all of this information that quickly. Oh, but nope. Nobody <laughs> can remember. Nobody can like. I'll go through. Like I'm I'm like people make fun of of my phone because I like never close my apps and I have like I'll have like 15,000 unread emails or something. You know, like people like the big red number at the mm-hmm. bottom. People are like doesn't that give you anxiety? I'm like not really, but. <laughs> I have so like I my, I mean I've always been a bit of a scatterbrain, mm-hmm. but for some reason like now I don't know like there's just so much going on at any given time I think I don't know who can can really keep up. Right. Well, let me pull that back around to the record and, and a couple of these songs too because um well, let's take the first single Infinite and, and maybe also Madness because that sort of fits into a lot of the things we're talking about with the mental illness side of it, right? Well, yeah, I mean I mean you know Infinite is literally the the title itself just talking about how you can feel when you're in one of these depressive, you know, uh, or anxious moments, how you can feel like it's never, you're never going to get out of it, you know, or even like, you know, it's the same thing when you're sick and you've got like a cold and you can't like breathe out of your nose, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're congested. And then you like, like you'll yawn or like you're something. And then all of a sudden you'll have this, like for a second, you'll be like, Oh, like this is what normal feels like. And then it's just gone again. You know what I mean? It's, and then, and then you're like, Oh my God, am I ever going to feel normal again? And that's what it feels like, you know, when you're in that, that state. And uh, in terms of madness, I mean, <laughs> that's more a, a relationship kind of song about going through maybe it's someone else's mental health affecting yours. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things that, that, that go through a relationship when it comes to one person and another and uh, having to figure out how to navigate that, you know, and, and, be, and also be respectful <laughs> of what other people are going through while still being respectful of your own mental health. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lie out there, man. You have a song in here, you know, September 14th. And what is September 14th? Okay, well, back in 1969, uh, there was a historical event, and it was the Vietnam draft lottery. And uh, a lot of, even though this is like, you know, not too far removed from our lifetime, this is just 12 years before we were born, uh, Kyle, uh, a lot of people don't understand or don't know about this historical event. And basically what they did is they needed people to go into war in Vietnam. So they went on national TV and they put these pieces of paper with 366 days, all the days anyone can possibly be born in these p- plastic pills in this bowl. And they reached into the bowl and one by one, they selected each date. And that's how they selected who was getting drafted to war. And the first date selected was September 14th. So I just, I, I read, I listened to this podcast about this 
and about this event, and I wasn't aware of it. Maybe, maybe because I'm Canadian, maybe I don't know. I talked to a lot of Americans, and they don't seem to be aware of this. Yeah, I didn't know that one either. But I just, I just feel like that would be like I can't imagine that happening in real life, where all of a sudden, hey, you're just a guy, and you know, you live in this place, the free, your free country, apparently, and then all of a sudden, oh, boom, you're born on September 14th. Well, guess what? Get on a fucking plane. You're going to be killing people. Like it's it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. So that that's what that song is about. It's, and it's more of the human side of of being in that situation and thinking about your life, you know, changing and your loved ones and what would have happened. And and that's not a movie, man. That's 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 real. And that's like that's the same year the Beatles put out Abbey Road. This isn't like this isn't <laughs> eternal. It's like this isn't back in the 30s, right. you know. It's incredible. I, I never, I mean, obviously I knew about the draft. I knew what the draft was, as we do, but but hearing that it was that specific just in that way. Hell, my birthday September 30th, you know, that would have been right. knocking well, on that door. When, you can look up when you would have got drafted. They didn't just go, they didn't just go like, okay, here's the date number one and then we'll go in order. Mm-hmm. They, they literally went through 366 draw, drawings to find it. And if you, there's a website, you can go look up September 30th and see when you would have been drafted. If you would have had to go into, you know, go right. to Vietnam and go to, go into war. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty gnarly. Um, and that actually at the beginning of the song um, over that music in the intro, there's actually a clip of from the actual telecast of them saying they, they of drawing that, that date. Yeah. Before we get, I, I should also hit up a, uh you know, you've got a lot of guests once again on this record and, and uh, compliments how seamlessly a lot of them fit in, which, you know, is, is I think interesting, uh, actually, because a lot of times when you have guest heavy records or whatever, uh, it seems to be a detour for better words. I, I don't really complain about it. It just t- t- tends to be what that is. And everybody fit like I have to stop and remind myself that this is a guest selection in these songs. Even like, um, right. even like uh, Princess uh, Nokia, when that happens, I had to stop and go back. Like, wait a second, like she was there, right? You know, and and <laughs> like it's. I, I don't know if that's something that you all actually mean to do, or if it just happens like that. Oh no, no, absolutely. I think you know we've had records. You know we've had records with guests before. We've guests over the years. Um, but every time we've had a, a feature, we've always been very selective of the part. And there's been plenty of them that we haven't done because it was like, you know, oh, we can get this big name on our record. And it's like, well, great. But if it's going to make this, is it going to make the song better? Like, is it going to actually enhance what we're doing? And if the answer is no, we're not going to do it. So, you know, the, the, the people we have on this record, you know, Aaron from Under Oath, like he kills it on that verse. Um, Pierre from Simple Plan is like absolutely perfect, um, you know, in the bridge of, of um, Take What You Give. The intervals guitar solo like is so good, you know, like that, that all, all of those like really lifted it. And with Princess Nokia, it's absolutely perfect too, because it was important in that song to have a female voice talking about that song, you know, mm-hmm. being, being in a, kind of a relation, relationshipy uh, song. So all those cases, you know, it, it was really important that they, they just killed it and we had the right parts to, to put them in. But once we have the, the part and we kind of, you know, where we want to do it, then we try to give the person free reign to kind of make it their own. You know, with Princess Nokia writing that verse, uh, Pierre actually wrote that melody too that he sings. So, uh, you, you know, it's really, I think it's really important too, to once you have somebody in the right place, in the right mindset to talk to them and be like, okay, this is what the song's about. This is like, this is what we're doing. Like, let's actually collaborate. Not like, here's the fucking song and the lyrics. Who cares? Just sing it and right. set it back. 
you know, which I think a lot of features end up being that way. And then they're either the wrong, wrong uh, person for the part or, you know, or just, it just is like, you can tell that, that some label guy called and said, Oh, you should put this. This is another artist I work with. You should put them in the song. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it sends so well on here and and it does, it builds up the songs. I mean, these are, these are powerful moments all over the record that you all will also be touring the, uh, the, uh, the new record, a beautiful place to drown this year. And it's this time it's a three set show, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of a big boy. Uh, we, We we did you know I guess it was about it was when we did the ten year anniversary uh, tour for discovering the waterfront which was it's crazy to think that, that was five years ago uh, but it was it was five years ago and and I think when we did that tour you know and we put together this whole show around this album and we realized like you know people are coming out in droves for this because it's an event mm-hmm. like this isn't just you know like the old days of touring where we show up to you know Cleveland on a Tuesday night and we load our stuff and then we play. And who you know, whatever. This is like a big deal. So the last tour, we, you know, we, when we did the 15-year anniversary too for uh, our first album, you know, we, we really just started to realize like people are going to come out. They're, they maybe have to get a babysitter. Some of them, you know, this might be like the only time this month they go out and see something. Like we want to give them a good show. So you know, we thought about how can we do this and. and for us, we thought it made sense to, you know, bring some of those acoustic elements into our live show. You know, usually it was just like a song or two we would do. So, you know, expanding that a little bit more and I get to play more guitar. So that's fun uh, for me. Uh, and then just, you know, kind of in just embrace the whole 20 year career. And we're doing a very long set, a lot of songs. And we're kind of trying to pick and choose the moments of our career that we think, you know, are to highlight that just, I think, resonated with, with people and ourselves. And um, people can expect a long, sh- a long show. So, you know, I don't know about quite Springsteen length, but uh, <laughs> definitely not a, not a punk, punk band uh, length set, that's for sure. Well, I look forward to seeing uh, one of those shows. And, and again, uh, i got to congratulate you on A Beautiful Place to Drown, uh, again, out in March, right? Okay. Yeah, March, uh, March 6th. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, also throw in here, uh, you've been doing the podcast, The Lead Singer Syndrome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a podcaster. I uh, I, I I've reached uh, I'm over 200 episodes now on the podcast, and um, it's been really great. You know, I, I've really enjoyed uh, just picking people's brains, including some of my heroes, uh, and also just meeting some making so many friends through it too. Um, you know, it's actually kind of weird you interviewing me because <laughs> I I'm usually the one preparing, you know, the questions, and mm. I'm the one there with the the my computer open with my notes and, and, you know, seeing where I'm going to steer the conversation or whatever. So just to be here standing in my kitchen with, you know, just following your lead, it's actually kind of different for me. I find that sometimes, because again, this is the side I'm used to as well, uh, that when I have to be interviewed, which for me, it's much rarer than you, but um, I find (laughs) it very uncomfortable having to think on my feet like that. Like with this, I come in with the whole conversation prepared in my head. Oh, totally, totally. Well then, yeah, and then if 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 the interviewer uh, doesn't get to something, you can't just throw it out there really yeah. i mean and maybe at the end they say anything else to add and then you you say the thing you've been waiting to say for <laughs> the entire time um but no man it's it's yeah it's, it's called lead singer syndrome and um yeah it's just it's just been really fun you know just i'm a lead singer they're lead singers it's a kind of a cool theme and something that i think um uh it, it hasn't existed before mm-hmm. you know where you have somebody two people that are in, intimately doing the same thing in you know in music talking about it uh, in great depth. So yeah, I really enjoyed it and, um, people can check it out. Uh, 
you know, leadsingersyndrome.com. Well, thank you so much for the talk today, Shane. It has been fantastic. Again, uh, the new record, A Beautiful Place to Drown, uh, it's a big one. And I'm so happy to hear you guys uh, doing this this far into it. Thank you, Kyle. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Take care out there. We will see you around. Yes, thank you. All right, bye. Big thanks, Shane, from the band Silverstein. The new record is called A Beautiful Place to Drown. And thanks to you, again, for checking out the episode. Again, if you're not already a subscriber, I hope you do. I hope you uh, follow along with us. We're a, we're a pretty great series to follow along with. And the nice thing about the subscriptions is uh, whether you subscribe to us at Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Acast, any of those places, uh, we will do the rest of the work from there, delivering three episodes a week straight to your device. And if you are a subscriber, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, maybe you'll get inspired to uh, give the series a rating that's always helpful. Uh, review, or, again, just a comment in the box about, uh, you know, what you dug about the interview. After that, head to WFPK.org. That's where you'll find me Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, of music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, that's WFPK.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me on any of the social media platforms at Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Jen, and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside, and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. Yes. I'm not, no other reasons at all. You Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week, we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. And then we make fun of it more or less. Or explain its deceptive feminism. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. <laughs> and I'm the funny one. <laughs> Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.